This is a story of a man and a woman who lived in a beautiful garden. It's a story of a snake who tricked mankind for thousands of years. It's a story of God and his promises. It's the story of one who's coming back to crush the head of the snake. And to give us that home we once had, we might have forgotten, lost. The biggest story. Wow, it's great to see the place filled up like this. I can't wait for the day when they're having to sit there in the choir loft. That would be exciting. Love to see that happen. Um, I, as, as we get started, I want to share a little story with you that uh, came out of a magazine called Decision Magazine, put out by the Billy Graham Association. It was in an article written by pastor and evangelist Greg Laurie. And uh, he tells about a woman who had been shopping and she came back to her car with her bag full of groceries, her handbag slung around her arm. And when she got the car, she saw four men sitting in there. So she set her bags down and reached into her handbag and pulled out a handgun, pointed at them and said, I know how to use this, get out of my car. And all four did not ask for a second invitation. They got out of that car and ran like crazy. So then she took her bags, you can imagine how shaken she was, and she got them in the car, she sat down, she pulled her key out, she tried to get it in the ignition, was having a lot of problems, and then suddenly realized this was not her car. (laughs) It looked like her car, but it was not her car. Her car was actually five spaces away. So she moved her bags over, got in her car, drove it to the police station, Only, only a little old lady would do this, and turned herself in. (laughs) As she explained what happened to the sergeant at the desk, he almost fell off his chair laughing. And he said to her, ma'am, he said, if you look over there, you'll see four men sitting down giving a report to an officer right now. They're letting him know that a elderly woman under five feet tall with white curly hair and thick glasses held them in a carjacking Needless to say, the files, uh, the uh, charges were dropped. Now, uh, that poor little lady, her problem was she believed that something that belonged to her actually was not hers at all. And whether, you know, we find that story funny or even question its, its uh, uh, reality, the one thing that I know is absolutely true in this room this morning is that those of us who call ourselves followers of Jesus Christ, we have no claim over our lives or anything that we have. Everything that we have belongs to God. Everything. And in fact, if, if you're an unbeliever, the truth is you're committing grand theft because you've taken what belongs to God and you're acting as though it's your own. But everything, everything belongs to the Lord. Look what it says in Genesis chapter 1. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and what? And govern it. And what that passage introduces us to is this concept that God has called you and me to be his managing partners in creation and in life. 
It goes on and says, rain over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and all the animals that scurry along the ground. And then Psalm 24, verse 1, it says this, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all its people belong to him. See that? All its people belong to him. For he laid the earth's foundation on the seas and built it on the ocean depths. Now next weekend, we're going to start the second season of our great big series called God's Big Story. We're trying to understand the entire story of the Bible. And I want you to be able to, to, be able to talk about it easily to anybody. I want, I want to give you what's going to help you defend the faith and promote the faith and be strengthened in your faith and encouragement. And so next weekend, we're going to start this journey of looking at what's, you know, what happened to God's story. What went wrong? I'm going to talk about the, the setting and the serpent. I'm going to talk about the most ridiculous question. I'm going to talk about a lethal lie. And I'm going to talk about a disastrous decision. And I'm going to ask you a very important question. Which tree are you going to pick fruit from? But what I want to do this weekend, we try to do this about once a year, is that I want to add an addendum to the first season because the first season we said, you know, God made everything, including human beings, and God saw everything that he made and said it was what? It was good, right? Adam and Eve, it was all very good. And part of that goodness was God's joy in having us, whom he created, partner with him in managing his creation. Well, we know things went wrong in Eden and man messed up and God had to expel him out of the garden, but God didn't give up on us. God came looking for man to reconcile him back to himself, and he did that primarily through his son, Jesus Christ, who died for our sins. And so now God invites us back into a managing partner relationship with him, except this time it's not so much the, the creation, although God cares about the environment, and so should we. God wants us to be managing partners with him in his endeavor to bring the hope of the gospel, as we say it, here, near, and far. And so I want to talk to you about that, and I want to give you an update on, on how God's using what you give. And you're going to hear some powerful, wonderful, life-changing stories. You're going to hear about some exciting opportunities that are coming up to change the world around us. But there are three things I want you to keep in mind, and here they are. Number one, it's important that you and I as believers believe and behave with a mindset that everything that you have, that I have, belongs to God. So whether I'm talking to students I'm talking to the oldest adult in here. Whether you're married or single, doesn't matter. Do you believe in your heart? Rhetorical question, don't answer me out loud. Do you believe in your heart that everything you have, including your very life, belongs to God? It's easy for us to say, I believe that. It's another thing for us to act like we believe it. Number two, realize that there are immediate benefits to managing your God-given resources in a God-honoring way. And I'll give you two of the immediate benefits right now. Joy and peace, or peace and joy. When I know that everything belongs to God, and I know I'm using it in a way that honors God, you know what? It just gives me a tremendous sense of peace and joy. Rather than trying to get my peace and joy from my possessions or from my own body, my own life, I get my peace and joy from knowing that I'm using it to love God and glorify Him. And then number three, Look forward to the fact that you're going to receive a huge bonus someday in eternity for being faithful with your God-given resources in the present. The Bible teaches us that God looks forward to rewarding us, whether we're young or old, he looks forward to rewarding us someday in eternity 
for how we have managed what he has given to us. So with that in mind, I want to give you the most simple management principles from God's word that's going to help you. And I especially, I love seeing our youth here. I especially want you guys to think about what I'm going to say because, because God holds you just as accountable for management as he does your parents or anybody else. So think about this, all right? It all comes out of the book of Proverbs, almost all of it. Here's the first one. Keep good records. Now, why should you keep good records? Because everything you have is from God. So since everything I have is from God, I need to keep good records. Now, in the ancient days, they put it this way. Look what it says in Proverbs. It says in Proverbs 27, know the state of your flocks. Probably no sheep herders or goat herders here today. All right? Maybe. Never know. Maybe you have a hobby farm like a friend of mine does out Waconia Way. But the reality is, know the state of your flocks and put your heart into caring for your herds. We would say, know the state of your stocks or your savings or your investment, your finances. For riches don't last forever, that's true, and the crown might not be passed to the next generation. In other words, what he's saying is, hey, know how many animals are in your barn because you got to keep track of them. You never know how many you have or where they're going to end up someday. So God says, you know, know, know what you own. And let me just give you some, some friendly tips on this. And many of you know this already. And by the way, if you struggle with budgeting, we have a great ministry here um, called Financial Peace University. If you contact us, we got experts there. We'd be willing to come alongside of you and, and just help you figure those things out. But here's four tips that I find very helpful. They're really easy. Number one, know what you own. Number two, know what you owe. Number three, know what you earn. And number four, know where it goes. That's pretty simple. Know what you own, know what you owe, know what you earn, and know where it goes. That's part of being a managing partner with God. God expects that out of our lives, all right? Number two, plan your spending. Plan your spending. Look at what it says here in the book of Proverbs. It says, good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. So even our young people, plan your spending with whatever you make or whatever you will make someday, plan your spending. Because if you don't plan your spending, you're liable to spend what you don't have. If you spend what you don't have, that can get you into some big trouble, which takes us to the third principle. I tell you, these are really simple principles. And the third one is simply this, save for the future. Save for the future. Look what it says. Again, we go to the wisdom of God's word. Wealth from get-rich-quick schemes quickly disappears. Wealth from hard work grows over time. We've all gotten those phone calls. We've all gotten those emails, unfortunately. We've all gotten those letters that, you know, it's just waiting for you. If you just give a little of this of your money, you are going to become rich overnight. What a lie, Right? What a lie. But we want that so badly, sometimes we succumb to that lie. We've got to be careful. We've got to make sure that we, you know, that, we, that we practice saving. So I did a little research, and I thought to myself, I wonder how we Americans do when it comes to saving. I mean, one of the wealthiest nations in the world. I know we have poverty. I know we have it here in the Twin Cities. But generally speaking, we are a very wealthy nation. So I looked up, how do we compare with other nations when it comes to saving our, our income. You know, we rank number 11. I was surprised. You want to know who's ahead of us? If you don't, I'm going to tell you. All right? Here's who is ahead of us. All right? Uh, first of all, the Aussies, number one, Australians. All right? Then the Canucks, the Canadians. 
all right? Then the French, then the German, then the Japanese, then the Latvians, then the Luxembourgians. That's who I call people who live in Luxembourg. Then the Netherlands. I was quite surprised that my Dutch relatives are so far down the list. I thought they'd be number one. The Swedes, the UK, and then you, and then me. Wow. Why is that a problem? Because, well, this will probably help us the next one. Enjoy what you already have is a biblical principle. This one comes out of the New Testament. Hebrews chapter 13 puts it this way. It says, don't love money. Be satisfied with what you have. For God said, I will never, leave, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. So you hear what, you hear what the writer's saying? The writer's saying, God, you can always count on. He'll never fail you. He'll never abandon you. But money, the uh, you know, uh, material things, they never satisfy you. They flee away. And I think that's probably a problem we have in our country today. We live in a society that is saturated with this idea that the more you have, the what? The happier you'll be. And so we keep accumulating, accumulating, accumulating. Do you know for all that we have, guess what? We're not very happy. And because, you know, I travel on behalf of Whitdale Church to a lot of countries overseas to teach and train, I spend a lot of time with people who have very little. In fact, when I go, I always bring a very small suitcase. I only bring a couple of changes of clothes. Because oftentimes they only have one or two pairs of clothes that they can wear an entire week. That's about all they own. I don't want to come there, you know, with my massive suitcase and outfit for every day. Outfit. What does that mean anyway? I don't use that word. <laughs> my wife does. That's your outfit for today? Anyway, I got that was that was a little rabbit trail. Let's get back on the message, all right? And yet I find some of them to be the happiest people I meet. Because they're not dealing with all that extra stuff. They're learning to live within their means. And if we could just learn to live within our, within our means, we'd have so much more that we could invest for an eternal reward. I was reading the news the other day, a couple of weeks ago, in fact, of a billionaire in New York City who committed suicide. He was an older man. And so I wanted to find out, you know, what was going on there. And I found out that at one time, he was called the envy of Wall Street in the 80s and in the 90s. Now he's a father, a grandfather, and his children are grown, his grandchildren, and, and he takes his life. And, and the question was, why did he take his life? And, and they were like unable to figure out why this guy would take his life. And the only thing I could get out of the article was that he was no longer the envy of, the, of, of Wall Street anymore, and that he was down to only $2 billion. Can you imagine? You could go to Chick-fil-A like all the time. And perhaps maybe there was that sense that I'm not what I used to be. And I just thought, you know, what kind of emptiness fills a person's life? And so, you know, the reality is the more you have, the happier you're going to be is not really true. Oftentimes, the more you have, the more of a headache it is. And being happy with what we have. So here's our last principle. Be a wise investor by generously in financing what matters most to God. If you do that, you're going to receive a great future return on your investment. In other words... Yes, you can use your money. Yes, you can spend your money. Yes, you can have things. But, but ultimately what matters is how, as God's managing partner, do I use this for his glory? You know, we're, we're part of God's family, and Jesus gives us uh, some really great family 
advice here in Matthew chapter 6. He says, listen, don't store up treasures here on earth where moth and moth eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, finish it with me, everybody, there the desires of your heart will also be. And because the time we spend on this earth is a nanosecond compared to eternity, Jesus says then invest in things that are eternal because God wants to reward and God wants to bless you. Now, I used to, I used to, because I was taught this all my life, I used to teach that, you know, as Christians, we need to tithe. We need to tithe 10%. But the more I studied scripture, the more I realized that's not accurate. If you go back to the Old Testament, they were supposed to tithe, if you take the accumulated tithe, north of 26%. And then I realized when you get the New Testament, the tithe is not emphasized anymore. We're not under the tithing system. That was peculiar to Israel and to God. In the New Testament, you're not under some mandate. God doesn't have like a certain amount you have to give. Paul emphasizes this in 2 Corinthians. Look what he says in chapter 9. He says, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your own heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly, or in response to a guilt message by the pastor. <laughs> For God loves a person who gives how? In the Greek, hilasterion, it's just the word by which we get hilarious. I said this before, when I go to Africa and teach, um, and I remember in particular one village where I was speaking, is I came to describe the poverty to you. And we were meeting outside, literally under a tree, and it came time for the offering, and they got their drums together. That's the only instruments they have, and man, could they play drums. It was amazing. And everybody got, and they put a bucket on a stump, and everybody got in a circle, and I think they spent 10 minutes singing and dancing and putting their money in around that. And folks, they're, they're just giving pennies it's a huge sacrifice. And it was filled with so much joy. And I thought to myself, wouldn't that be awesome at Wooddale Church? Wouldn't it be awesome like we put some up there and we put some down here and the music starts playing and y'all just start going by and singing. And Okay, it was an idea anyway. <laughs> but my point is joy, right? He says, be joyful in your giving. Paul goes on and he says, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be, ri they should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. Now, what I want to do for the rest of the message in a moment, I'm going to ask Pastor Kyle if he'll come up here. He's going to join me here, so come on up, Kyle. I want to give you a report on how, how your investments that you give to Wooddale are being used to change lives. And, and I want to say in particular to this service, more so than the last service, because there are many more of you who are millennials in this service and younger in this service. You know, the younger generation, 
can't believe I'm saying that. I always thought of myself as the younger generation. Um, wants to give and wants to know that what they give actually makes a difference. So I really want you guys to pay attention because I want to show you that what you're giving is changing lives here, near, and far. It's making a difference. And we want to, we want to even make a greater difference. And in, and in the midst of all this, we're going to be telling you about something we're doing in, in Minneapolis that that I hope will excite you when, when we share it with you, where you can not only make a difference by your giving, but actually getting involved. So, Kyle, welcome. Thanks for being up yeah, here with me. Uh, by the way, I like your outfit. I think it, <laughs> it looks good. Thank you. But I, uh, I took my tie off because I knew this was the contemporary service. Yeah, you're more relaxed. Yeah. All right. I'd be far more comfortable in a pair of jeans. Some people, sometimes they'll see me out and about in a pair of jeans, and they'll go, I didn't know you wore jeans. Anyway, it's a part of the hazard. Thanks for the ADHD moment. All right. Uh, look at the squirrel. Anyway, uh, for those of you who think I'm making fun of people ADHD, I have it so I can make fun of myself. All right? So, Kyle, moving on. Uh, tell me, how many investors do we have at Wooddale Church if we think of them as managing partners? That, that's right. About, about 2,500, a little over 2,500 households uh, in the last year have given to Wooddale Church. And uh, that uh, is actually a little bit less than half of the active households here at Wooddale. So uh, we have a chart to, uh, to, to show. This is uh, the representation here of giving households uh, in the last year, so in 2022, to Wooddale Church. Uh, so 5,400, almost 5,500 households were active at some point last year. So 54% of us are, are currently not yet contributing or partnering with Wooddale financially. But here's the really encouraging thing about this number. There have been a, a large number, actually 600 of these households are brand new to Wooddale Church. So they just started in 2022, many of them at the back end of the year. And so, you know, Dale, maybe they've never heard a message about stewardship or about giving uh, and partnering with, with the Lord financially, or they just haven't had an opportunity to get involved yet financially. So we're really encouraged by that number because we, we do believe that uh, uh, you know, more can happen in terms of, of contributions. And that encourages me because that means there's huge potential just even in this room, right? If some of us were to get in the game, and we're not here so much to talk about how much. It's just be in the game. Make some, make some eternal investments that are going to bless you in the future. So we have three funds, so to speak, yeah. uh, or three families of funds. We call it here, near, and far. Mm -hmm. And um, I thought it'd be interesting to talk a little bit about, so what difference is being made? And I know, I know we're seeing more people come to faith in Christ, more people being baptized, more people who are actually being discipled for the first time in their life. Uh, we are seeing... Um, more people that are being helped through our you know, food uh, dispensaries that we contribute to. I mean, on and on the list goes. But what matters so much to me is the next generation. And we have, we have quite a few sitting in this room right now. Uh, they're the future. They're the church. And so it's so important in our desire to reach 30,000 families in the next 10 years. We want to see kids change, their lives change. And I just read a statistic uh, this past week where there's actually an increase in the suicide rate of young girls. And we're finding out a lot of it's being driven by social media. They're being bullied, they're, be, you know, they're comparing themselves, and they just feel like there's no hope. Well, you know, as a grandfather with a, with a young granddaughter, that, that really you know, caused me to sit up. I care deeply about that. So you know, we care deeply for our, our youth at this church. So tell, tell us, how is, how is it making a difference to our students? 
Yeah, and, and that's you know one of the reasons that Stephanie and I uh, have, have, ever since we started coming to Woodale Church, have been giving financially because God's doing some things in all of our generations, but that's especially true in the next generation. So when you walked in, you received a handout, looks just like this, and this is kind of like an investment report, just a snapshot on the way God has used your giving here at Wooddale Church to transform lives. And in that, Dale, we talk about about 300 uh, people will say yes to Jesus for the first time every year, and about half of those are the next generation. Mm. Uh, our team uh, counted up how many students and children were involved in something in the last year here at Wooddale Church. It was 2,000. Uh, unique students and children at some point came to a camp or retreat or programming. So there is a large uh, impact on the, on the next generation. And we do a number of things to try to help improve and, and uh, help, help those students meet, know, and follow Jesus. And uh, one of those things is, is camps. Uh, so recently, the junior high went on snow camp and... Uh, they had a great time, uh, but more than a great time, it impacted the spiritual lives of a number of those students. Um, and Pastor Heather and her team uh, gave us a report back, quotes from students about the difference that Snow Camp made. I want you to listen to this, uh, because if you contributed last year to Wooddale Church, you made this possible. All right, this is, this is because of your generosity. So here's what a seventh grade girl wrote. Snow Camp helped me to realize that I was trapped by why, what I thought others thought of me, and I needed to be set free from that. Mm. You talk about mental health crisis, sure. what's right. going on, this is actually making a difference, right? The gospel is setting people free uh, and, and not being held captive to what other people believe. Here's what another seventh grade girl wrote. Uh, she wrote, it connected me with girls from church, which makes me feel not alone. Which means if you gave last year to Wooddale Church, you helped a seventh grade girl feel like she is no longer alone. Okay, what's that worth? Here's what an eighth grade boy wrote, who at snow camp accepted Jesus for the very first time. Here's what he wrote. It welcomed me to him. Right, if you gave to Wooddale Church last year, you are helping eighth graders meet Jesus. What is that worth? That's powerful. Now, Dale, it's just not, not, I don't want everybody to think it's just all good news. So uh, we did get some feedback from students on ways that we can continue to improve. It's only fair that we share that with you as well. So uh, one student wrote this, uh, eighth grade girl. She said, one thing I would change about snow camp, more vegetables. <laughs> wow. That's a real sign of spiritual maturity. She, yeah. ru she ruined it for the rest of them. So. <laughs> Kyle, uh, but it's not just about students. It's also about seeing the, the lives of adults changed. And, and uh, we've been given permission to share a story. Katie gave it to you to share. So how has Katie's life changed? Yeah, you know, when people talk about, okay, 300 people said yes to Jesus. You know, who, who are these people? Uh, let me tell you about Katie. She was, she was one of the people last year. Katie uh, grew up, actually like many of us may have grown up, in a home that talked about religion, but maybe not so much the relationship with Jesus. Uh, she got caught up in things of this world, because that's just what happens when you don't have spiritual influences in your life that are strong. And so she looked for success, and she looked for meaning in what other people thought about her and in accomplishments, just like so many of us. And then Katie, because that was the life she was pursuing, she started to make some choices that were not part of what God's design was. And she knew it, she did it anyway, she kept doing it, and that just caused a tremendous amount 
of shame and of guilt like so many of us have experienced. And Katie just felt like there's something missing. And she just was kind of doing life. She met her husband. They started having children. This this just kind of happens. You're just kind of on life, on a path. And uh, she realized that, okay, this thing that's missing, what is it? And it was actually Christian music that stirred something in her and gave her the thought, maybe what's missing is God. And maybe I can get that back in terms of a relationship with him. And so she turned Dale to Wooddale. Now the reason she knew even about Wooddale, and this is the fun part of the story, when her daughter was younger, they enrolled her in our preschool, in Wooddale Academy. They're like many of the families in Wooddale Academy. They have no church relationship. They don't go to any church. Uh, And so Katie and her family knew that we did programs on Wednesday night. We did stuff on Sundays. That They were intrigued by it, but they never came. Uh, She graduated, her daughter graduated from the program, but it was years later, a couple years later, that it was like, maybe there's something there. So she started coming to Wooddale, started hearing the messages. And on May 22nd, 2022, Katie said yes to Jesus. And here is what she writes. These are her words. She said, since then, since that moment, I have been eating up every single sermon, class, and event at Wooddale Church. I find myself wanting to be in and do all the things I can at Wooddale. As a family, listen to this, as a family, I see us having discussions about Jesus, what they learned in Sunday school, praying together, singing sounds of praise songs, and talking about the difficult conversations about what God has to say about life and death. And then she writes this. This past July, I lost my brother to alcoholism. It was one of the worst experiences of my life. As his organs slowly shut down one by one, my family and I held his hands as he died in that ICU hospital bed. He was only 37. I wonder sometimes about how the old Katie would have handled his death in comparison to the new Katie. My grief is always there and so heavy at times, but I know that I am not alone with my grief. I take the time I need for my body and my brain to process and heal in my most difficult times. Instead of leaning on worldly things, I lean on Jesus. When I find myself starting to get anxious or starting to panic, I pray. I have found so much freedom, peace, and hope in the forgiveness that I have received from Jesus. My sins were scarlet, but I am now white as snow. I was living in darkness, but have now found the light. I was lost, but am now found. I am so thankful for Wooddale Church and cannot wait to see what God has in store for me and my family. Let me just say one more time. If you have given to Wooddale Church, you help change Katie's life and her family. Mm -hmm. And for that, I just want to say, Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And you know, Kyle, that's just one story of many others that you know, we don't tell. Uh, we're trying to tell more, but we always want to respect people as well. So it's very exciting. Um, the, you know, the other thing is, in a moment, I want to talk about, okay, what are we doing near something very exciting? Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, last Christmas, as we always do, we took up a special Christmas offering. And it was going to go to North Minneapolis to the Youth Empowerment Ministry there with our partner, Jordan Nelson and then also help out Ukrainians. Tell us a little bit about that. 
That's right. Uh, because of your generous giving, we raised $170,000 uh, at the Christmas Eve offering, and uh, it did. Uh, have, half of that went to go help uh, youth have a mentor in North Minneapolis for the, through the Youth Empowerment Club. And the other half of it went to provide medical supplies and other supplies that were needed for the people of Ukraine in that war-torn country. And because you invested in this, we want to report back to you what happened. So on March 19th, that's a few Sundays from now, after services here at the Eden Prairie campus, about 11.45 or so, Pastor Richard is going to be giving a report on what happened in Ukraine when he and that team went to deliver those supplies and hear those stories uh, from the front lines, literally. And then you'll also hear a report out from the Youth Empowerment Club about what God is doing in and through uh, the youth mentoring. Is, is Jordan students. going to be here for that? Um, yeah, yeah. All right, that'll be that. awesome to see you. So, uh, okay, so near, uh, huge opportunity God's provided for us uh, in conjunction uh, with, with ministry at the U. So tell us about it. That's right. So our West Bank campus, which we're now going to need to rename because <laughs> about a year ago, we had a ministry partner there that's at the University of Minnesota, a group called Ansem House. And they came to us and they said, we just have an opportunity to buy a building on the East Bank, right on the undergraduate side, right off Washington Avenue, right in the heart of campus. And they said, one of the things that we would love to do is to provide some great coffee for students as a way to bring them into our study center. And they said, we know you run a great coffee ministry. Would you consider doing this? And so we looked at it. This will be now our third uh, coffee location. And we thought, okay, you know, and, and looking at the, the data and the demographics and where it is on campus, it just makes a ton of sense mm -hmm. to do this. Um, financially, it's going to be a, a great move, and, and it just, it, it's like a great ministry, a great outreach to all these students. And then uh, we heard about their building, and we saw their basement. And uh, here's a photo that uh, we have of, of that center. So this is down uh, right on campus, right off Washington Avenue. And uh, this seats about 150 people when you get chairs in there. Uh, pretty good sized room, substantially larger than the coffee shop that we have on the West Bank. And so we said, tell you what, we would love to start a third uh, coffee location there with you at uh, your location if on Sunday mornings we can run services in that lower level. And they said, deal. And so starting this fall, we are going to help church services on the University of Minnesota, right on campus. Isn't that amazing? Yep. So this, this, you know, this what I'm going to do now is totally unplanned, and I don't know which service John go, is at. Is, do you know if he's in the service, John he's Odom? Not, no, not today. No, no. Not today, okay. Um, but John Odom is uh, leading that. I'm excited about John. Uh, you know, he was on his way to becoming a doctor in medical school, and felt this tug on his heart, and, and decided, okay, I'll just get my PhD instead in uh, anatomy and physiology, and, and then go to the ministry. So he is, like, he's the perfect guy to be down there, yeah. right, connecting with the students, and, uh, and that's where, like, if some of you want to get on his team, he's going to be, uh, we're going to be sharing with you some informational meetings uh, where you can be part of that launch, and uh, I'm just really looking forward to it. John's just an amazing uh, young man, his wife Victoria and their child, so I'm excited about that. How about on the far end of things? Yeah, Dale, 85 global partners. They serve in 35 different countries. Um, on average, between three to 4,000 churches are planted through those partners every yeah. year. We casually throw that number out, but you visit so many of these. Yeah. You know the impact that, that they're making. Uh, collectively, through the ministries of those 85 global partners, about 55,000 people every year come to faith in Jesus Christ. Isn't that amazing? Right? And, and I want to 
I want to put that in perspective because that just, it's a big number. And you're like, what, how did, what, 55,000 people? That is the population of Apple Valley. Okay, so if you ever are like, is it worth giving to Wooddale Church? And is, is anything happening with this? Just go to Apple Valley and think about all the people that are there. And that's still, yeah. that's about how many people are coming to faith through Wooddale Worldwide. Yeah, and, and so oftentimes we forget, you know, the world's bigger than here. That's right. And um, that's one of the things I value so much about y'all is that, you know, throughout the 78-year history of this church, it's always been about more than just us. It's us and. And so you're making a huge difference in, in lives being changed. So with all that said, my hope is that people are going to say, I want to keep on investing, I want to invest more, I want to start investing. So Kyle, how can they do that? So in that handout that you received when you walked in, uh, this section here is perforated, it detaches. It's very rewarding to separate it, so please do that. And uh, what we'd like to do is, uh, just a moment, we want you to hear a story from a few people at Wooddale Church. They're one of the investors that we have, uh, Steve and Kathy. And as you hear this story and, and hear from their perspective, not, not just our perspective, but their perspective about why they choose to partner with Wooddale financially, we would ask you to fill this out. And your name and, and information is on the front. On the back, there are four options about how God may be leading you today in response to this message. And the options are, I'm going to begin for the first time to partner with God. Maybe, maybe you're part of that group that isn't currently partnering uh, with Wooddale Church, and you're going, to, you're going to move to the other side of that chart. Uh, or I'm going to continue to partner. Um, for, for many of us, we may have felt the nudge from God to say, I need to step up. I'm going to increase my financial partnership. Or that fourth option is, and we recognize some of you may be that I'm just not ready. I'm not ready to do that yet. Uh, and if so, that, that's fine. But we'd like for you to, to fill that out. This is like your opportunity to respond to the Lord. Uh, based on what you're hearing from the message today. Uh, and then at the end of our message, we'll pass, uh, pass some, some plates and you'll have an opportunity to do that. And you know, Kyle, I was just thinking, if, if folks could give $100 a month, um, that $2,500, we give out 100 bucks a month, that would, that would just help us phenomenally, take some burden, some pressure off and making a difference. And it could be as easy as giving up a, a fancy coffee or, or going to Chick-fil-A. I don't know why I'm picking on Chick-fil-A today, but... Uh, <laughs> You know, just, just it, it's simple little things that we, that we do without thinking that if we just said, I won't do that this week or, or this month, that's an investment that, like I said, is going to bring back an eternal return. So why don't you tee up our, our guests? Yeah, so uh, you've heard from us. Now hear from uh, one of the households that invest here at Wooddale Church. Uh, please draw your attention to the screens. Well, hey, Wooddale Church, I'm here with Steve and Kathleen. They have been uh, members here at Wooddale Church for a long time. Guys, we're, we're talking today about financial investments, about stewardship, about giving. Uh, when it comes to giving to the Lord, uh, how do you guys think about that? I used to think about it as um, giving away my hard-earned money, you know, and um, then I read something in a book that really just kind of transformed my thinking. And what it said in the book was, you can think of giving as giving away your hard-earned money, or you can think of it as being the privilege of collaborating with the creator of the universe to invest in that which is eternal. The Bible says to pass on your faith, and that's really important. And so when we give to Waddell, that's, that's what happens in a lot of different ways. Giving to your local church and especially a church like Wooddale, that it might be a local church, but it has a global reach to it, mm -hmm. is that we've, we've heard you say many times, your giving matters, but you don't just say that, you actually show us how our giving matters. And so when we can see 
what it's doing in Southeast Asia with the Timothy Initiative, what it's doing in North Minneapolis and what it's doing right here. Um, yeah, you know, that makes giving to your local church, especially when that church is Wooddale, a great investment. What would you say to somebody who's, who's like, you know, does God expect me to give? One of my favorite verses is from Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18. And to set the stage for it, you know, th this is Moses telling the Israelites what they're about to enter the promised land. And, and he's warning them. He says, be careful because you're going to build your big houses and you're going to have these huge flocks and these herds and you're going to have your um, abundance of food and abundance of drink. Just be careful because when that happens, you become proud and you forget about God. And he says, remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to create wealth. And so it, it's a humbling to just read that and go, yeah, I have to remember that verse. It all comes from God. He owns it all.